Welcome to Patients at Risk, a discussion of the dangers that patients face when physicians are replaced with non-physician practitioners. Before we start the show, I'd just like to remind all the anesthesiologists out there that if you're looking for a change, Old Pueblo Anesthesia, OPA, is looking for physicians to work in their Tucson, Arizona practice. OPA is a physician-owned and operated practice that has served the Southern Arizona community for over 40 years, and they're committed to delivering anesthetic care exclusively by physicians. They provide over 20,000 anesthetics to patients undergoing surgery, labor and delivery, pain management, and diagnostic procedures, and they also provide anesthetic services at multiple outpatient surgery centers. They're the exclusive provider of anesthesia services at TMC Healthcare, a large regional healthcare system in Tucson, Arizona. Their cardiac anesthesiologists cover a robust open heart program, and they are also intimately involved in the operation of the largest minimally invasive structural heart program in Southern Arizona. TMC has a level 3 NICU, and OPA's labor and delivery team provides 24-7 in-house coverage for over 5,000 deliveries per year. Outside the operating room, they provide anesthesia services for adults and children in the GI suite, MRI, CT, and interventional radiology. OPA's leadership and recruiting team would love to discuss professional employment opportunities for anesthesiologists with the desire to live and work in a part of the country with incredible weather, year-round outdoor activities, and a very affordable cost of living. They currently have openings for both partnership track positions as well as several employee non-call positions. OPA is seeking pediatric fellowship-trained anesthesiologists, cardiac fellowship-trained anesthesiologists, and also has positions available for non-fellowship-trained anesthesiologists. There are positions available with no hearts or OB if you don't want to work in those areas. For more information, please contact Mark McLean, MD, at mark.mclain, that's M-C-C-L-A-I-N, at opatucson.com, or Jim Rodriguez, CEO, at jrodriguez at opatucson.com, or visit their website at opatucson.com. And now we'll return for part two of our discussion about women in medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Bernard, and I'm also the co-author of the book, Patients at Risk, The Rise of the Nurse Practitioner and Physician Assistant in Healthcare. Today, I'm being joined once again by Dr. Sonal Patel and Dr. Juju Hanna to share some of their thoughts about the issues that women face in medicine. Dr. Patel and Dr. Hanna, welcome back to the show. I wanted to start out with a discussion of a TikTok video that I recently saw posted I don't know if you saw this or not, but I'm going to put up the screenshot, but there is a nurse practitioner that she made a TikTok video. So she has a badge and it says doctor and the TikTok video is like, oh, nurse practitioners aren't real doctors. And she's holding her badge and it says doctor. And she posted that we need to fight the patriarchy. And she said, here's your reminder. Uh Nurses are doctors. Occupational therapists are doctors. Pharmacists are doctors. You don't need to be a man with an MD or DO to be called doctor. If you perpetuate selective title use, you perpetuate the patriarchy. What are your thoughts on that? (laughs) So working in the hospital setting, I have been mistaken from anywhere from a nurse to a social worker to someone who's cleaning up. I had one rotation where I had an intern who was taller than me, white male intern who was taller than me. And the parents kept asking him the question. And the poor thing was just like, I don't know, Dr. Patel, Dr. Patel. (laughs) Hey, we worked so hard to be physician women in medicine. And you know what, if you want to have the word doctor. Okay. I I'm, I'm tired of fighting that fight because everybody and their mama are going to be doctors. 
but I'm going to be a physician. I'm going to be proud that I am a female physician and I want to be recognized as a female physician. There's nothing against nurses. There's nothing against social workers and that thing, but that's what I did. That's my accomplishment. Please don't take that away from what I did, you know, and recognize what my title is. But don't you see that happen? I wrote a big post. I actually put it on my personal Facebook. I was kind of fired up about National Physician Women's Physicians Day because that, um, I think it was Kentucky, no, sorry, Kansas, the hospital that said on Women Physician Day, we would like to recognize all of our women providers. And it was really tone deaf. And I was really angry about it because I said, you know, this is really disrespectful to the work that women put in and the glass ceiling that we've had to break and the sexism that we've faced and the discrimination and the role strain and all these things. And then just to say, well, you know, you're just the same as somebody who did it in a shorter time. And so I wrote that and then I made it public because people asked me to share it because they liked it. And so because it was public, then people start weighing in that I don't know, including a lot of nurse practitioners. And they were angry at me. And they said, what you say is fine, but why do you have to denigrate other professionals to lift yourself up? But it's not denigrating, right? It is recognizing that this is a title that I've earned. I'm not taking away from nurse practitioners. I'm not taking away from what you've earned. You have a whole, you you get a whole week with nurses, you celebrate yourself then, then you have a whole week with your own nurse practitioner part of it. It's one day for women's physicians. It's honoring Dr. Blackwell on that day. She is a woman physician. It's just, it's, it's one day people. I would like to say there's two things. So go back to that post. So the one that you talked about the NNP saying about the patriarchy thing, I, I think that's a cop out to put that in that category. That's saying like, Oh, the men are trying to keep the women down. And that doesn't make any sense at all. And so you go through your training, be proud of what you did. Like if I was an MP, I'd be proud of what I did say. I'm an MP. I am not an MD. I'm not a doctor. I will still fight, you know, the title because I think it's ridiculous. If anybody wants to be a doctor, let it, the janitor, the plumber, the, the, I mean, no, there's a reason why we go to school for 11 years, whether you're male or female that they're, they're, they're we're losing the respect. It's not taking away from anyone. It's right, not at saying all. that. And we have national physicians day, by the way, that I think it happens in April or something like that, but it's not taking away from, and I loved what you say, just be proud of what you became yeah. like just be proud of that and like why is it so hard there's a little part of me in the jealousy of like i wanted more kids and i'm in that air time where my fertility is probably jacked and i who would i'd be crazy to do it on my own like a single mom have a baby on my own but i've thought about that but we work so hard like i almost wish i did that route because i would not be two hundred thousand dollars in debt i would have kids, I would not be old and tired and being a grandma when I'm like 80, you know, so there there are things that are so appealing. I think the point of it is, and one of the reasons why women physicians did get so fired up about this is the fact is, we had to make some really hard choices. And in many cases, it did mean deferring, delaying, or potentially not being able to have children or even meet the right person. Because you remember how difficult dating was in medical school and residency. And so a lot of us 
decided that we were going to make that sacrifice. And there is no part-time medical school. There is no right. flexible work while you go to school, medical school. There's there's none of this. Whereas to be a nurse practitioner or even a PA, there are routes that allow that flexibility. But for physician, there's not. Now, one of the things that some women physicians weighed in that said, well, maybe there should be. What are your thoughts on that? Two things. First of all, training matters. It's just evident. Secondly, we women physicians, we are kind of aware of the sacrifices that we're going to, and we are choosing that. And we're not doing this podcast to be like, cry me a river, like, wow, look at me type of deal. But it's for this understanding that we made those choices. We know what it's going to take to do that. And I'm sorry if you didn't realize the sacrifices that medicine actually has, or somebody didn't tell you. But this is the podcast is not to be like, oh, look at me. I'm, I'm, you need to like feel bad for me. It's like, no, these are the choices that we have made. And we know we're making these choices over and over again. And we just want people to be aware of that. Why that's why we need a female women physician day to celebrate the choices that we have decided to make. Yeah. I think recognizing that sacrifice. And I think that's why women do get so frustrated and even angry when someone says, well, yeah, but you you didn't have to do all that. It wasn't worth, you could have just taken this other path. And the answer is no, we couldn't because to become a physician, you have to take these steps. You have to do this training because that's what it takes to be able to independently take care of patients safely. I completely agree. There's no shortcut. I actually thought I needed more training, but that's what makes doctors humble. Nobody knows what it's like balancing 60 NICU babies and you're on call and you're running and people are dying left and right and do that. So like, they're never going to understand that. Right. And so I was like, I could always use more training. We, we thirst for knowledge. Personally think it's a calling. I, I don't think it's just a job, right? It is a calling to heal others. Not every, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Yes, it is a choice, but some people want to be a doctor, but they can't because they, they, they're not capable or whatever it is. So it is a choice, but then we make the, it's a hard work, knowledge, intelligence, sacrifice. There are things that I honestly, you think back, you're like, okay, the, the Krebs cycle, everything is MCAT, the Krebs cycle, all this stuff is, I don't even use it to this day, but there's a reason why we go through that, right? There's a reason for the, the studying, the critical thinking, the analysis. So it's a very special thing that we go through. So when you have other professions that say that they dumb it down is just such a slap in the face of what we go through to to be where we are. And again, like I said, we make it, I can walk in the room and I'm analyzing from head to toe from when I first in there and we make it look easy, but that's called the 11 years of training that I've done. Unfortunately, there's no simple thing in medicine, in my opinion. I, I remember working in the ER and I had an MP come up to me and say, Hey, Dr. Hannah, I just, you know, I, I can't get a good good look at the ears. Can you just double check? And so, and I go into the room and the the the, the girl's like Kusamal breathing. Like she can't even breathe. And she's like having, you know, she can't breathe. And I go, I'm not worried about the ear. We need to, do you not see how she's breathing? And that was the, the one patient she came and got me for. So imagine all the patients that I didn't see. And I have a panic attack every single day when I was working in that mindset. And it's not fair to the patients. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to anyone. And the and the problem is the administration and I don't know how to fix it. And it's very, very frustrating. The, the profit-driven <laughs> system yeah. and the idea by administrators that, you know, like you said, because you're good at what you do, because you've done it for so long and you've worked so hard to achieve your skills, it does look easy to an mm. observer who just says, well... 
somebody else should be able to do that. They, they, they don't realize what yeah. it took to get to that point. To kind of go on your training too. Like I remember when I was being trained, it's like, you have to go into an ER. That's how they explained it to us. And you have to look at those 16, 17 patients and you've got to figure out right then there in the spot, which one needs your attention, which can be a level one, whatever it is. But that's how you're trained. You're trained to walk into a situation and be like, okay, this is not right. And sometimes people think it's like a gut thing, but it's really all these years Curious. of trainings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, then yeah. you walk in, you're like, okay, there, or there's something that's nagging you about it. And one thing with medicine is like, you take your patients home, you yes. take them, you, you're just like, you don't stop thinking about them. So well, when you mentioned that, you know, you are, we are trained to walk in and take control of a room. Does that also become a problem when women are perceived as being, quote, bossy, bitchy, you know, things that men doctors often are not labeled as when you're really just going in there and taking control to take care of patients? You know, I I just always look at it like I can deal with that afterwards. Like, I'm not going to deal with that right here and there. You can do whatever you need from me. And then I think with our, like everyone's track record, people know how you are type of deal. But I remember someone complaining about me, another nurse that I blatantly walked into the C-section and it was in the OR and I was being all valiant and blah, blah, blah. And then my director was like, this doesn't even sound like you. I don't even know what you're talking about, (laughs) you know? And you're just like, wait, I like, I saved that baby. Like, what are you talking about? I've seen them do that to female physicians all the time. And I'm like, we're just here to take care of the there, patients. Like, why Why that. are you talking and tattling about these things that didn't happen? But like, I'm five feet tall and working in the ER. And I, if I have paramedics that come in, these guys, and I get challenged every day. <laughs> and it's frustrating because I know it's like, I know you don't do that to my male colleagues, right? That happened to me the other day. I called 911 for a patient mm-hmm. that was orthostatic. It's an adult, but she was really unwell. But Mm -hmm. looking at her just sitting there without having the vitals and things like that, you might not know. But, you know, I assessed her and she needed to be go to the emergency room. So I called and the EMS people, you know, a troop of guys came through and the first group was very nice. And then the second group, I guess it was the in charge guy. And he looked at her and he said, she looks just fine. There doesn't look like anything wrong with her. And you're like, and I said, well, and and you know <laughs> what bothered me was I've been doing this for 20 years and I found myself questioning myself. I actually stopped for a minute and said, well, maybe I'm, I'm wrong. And then I said, well, she's orthostatic and check. And he's like, well, I don't believe it. And so he started taking her vitals. And of course it turned out that I was right, but I was actually really upset at myself that that actually made me stop mm-hmm. for a minute and second guess. Um, have you ever felt that way? Absolutely. It, it makes you upset, but that's what makes us good doctors. If we think we know everything all the time, that's when you're, that's when people die. But it's, it's the way that it comes when a paramedic, like what, whoever it is to come in like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel that way. I'm just like, they come in and then you go like, did I do the right thing for that kid? Like this has happened a few times with me. And I'm like, you know what? No, obviously I saw the kid. I took care of this. That's why they looked better by the time they got there. And then I'm five feet of Call fire, you know, people walking in and it looks all intimidating. And especially when they say that in front of the patient, I actually <laughs> warned the patient ahead of time. I said, I'm just going to let you know that a bunch of people are going to come in and most likely they're going to challenge me because this has happened they so many do. times. 
And so it, everything went well, but it was, it was interesting. It's just very frustrating because I feel like I've not seen them do that to my male colleagues in the 20 years I've done this. I just don't feel like I see them do that as I think you're probably sad. right. <laughs> so no, any other sad. final words that you would like to share with the audience? Okay. So for the women physicians, the, especially the, the ones that are coming up, I, I have the privilege of teaching a lot at the DO school here locally. So I get to see them. First of all, what you're doing is amazing. Okay. Like it's, it's just amazing. We recognize the sacrifices. We recognize what you're kind of going through and we're going to still fight for you. We're going to fight for you, but you have to fight for yourself too. And that's how change is going to happen. And that's how you're going to be like, no, no, I X, Y, and Z. And so when I talk to them openly about my own experiences, then it's like, oh, you can have kids and a husband who is a trauma ortho. And how does that work? And the advices that I've given. So first, the, that would my be piece of advice. Just be proud of who you are. And you're going to have all these battles. And But we're right here behind you because we've been, we're continuing to battle for you and with you. I love that. Juju, any other final yeah. words you'd like to share with the women doctors listening? Yeah, I completely agree. In the younger generation, it's like, I hope more and more women you know, go into medicine and don't give up every day when even in my, in my clinic and I have cute little girls I say it every day, we need more female doctors because we need more female doctors. I was like, you can do it. You can put your mind to anything as a single mom, pediatrician, minority family from an immigrant. If I can do it, anyone can do it. So don't ever give up. Don't ever let anyone tell you that you can't do it because words can hurt, but it's, it's just words. It's just words. So I encourage more female Positions. I love that. And don't, and it's okay to be, it's okay to be a good mom and a good doctor. You can do both. I promise. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Although, you know, realizing that we can't be perfect at everything right. and it's okay to forgive yourself for not being all things to all people and being perfect right. in every way. We're just all doing the best that we can every exactly. day. And you guys are both amazing. You're an inspiration. Um, so I want to add one last thing. Yes, so please. I'm, I'm raising four boys. And I want them to know that mommy can be a physician, daddy can be a physician, and this is how it works. So when they have their spouses, whoever their spouses are, they recognize that it's a balance at home to support each other. And that's that's why I keep doing what I'm doing. I'm raising four boys and I want them to see that yeah. it's it's not mommy doesn't cook all the time. Dad does it too, you know, like little things like that. Because, yeah, because we need men to be our allies. Yes. And that was one of the things I was so proud yes. because on that post that I was telling you about, I did on my Facebook page, quite a few men physician weighed in and said, thank you. We recognize you. We see you. And it meant a lot to me. Yeah. So I, I, I am also talking to our men physician allies out there. We see you and we thank you for helping us to be able to uh, yes. Do the best that we can do because we need your help and your advocacy. Thank you again to my guests, Dr. Sonal Patel and Dr. Juju Hanna. If you'd like to learn more about this topic, I encourage you to get the book Patients at Risk, The Rise of the Nurse Practitioner and Physician Assistant in Healthcare. It's available at Amazon and at barnesandnoble.com. And if you're a physician and you'd like to learn more about supporting physician-led care for all patients and truth and transparency among healthcare practitioners, I encourage you to join our group. It's called Physicians for Patient Protection. You can find us on our website, physiciansforpatientprotection.com. Org. Also, if you'd like to run an advertisement here on the Patients at Risk podcast, then please reach out. You can connect with me on our website, patientsatrisk.com. Thanks so much, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Mm-hmm.